Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So much. Those uh, nominated for the best performance by an actress are Leslie Caron in Lily, Metro Golden Mayor, Ava Gardner in Mogambo, Metro Golden Mayor, Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday, Paramount, Deborah Carr in From Here to Eternity, Columbia, Maggie McNamara in The Moon is Blue. And the winner is... Ladies and gentlemen, in New York City, Miss Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1954 Ceremony Year win for Audrey Hepburn for Roman Holiday. Uh, 1954 Oscars, Best Picture went to From Here to Eternity, Best Director went to Fred Zinnemann for From Here to Eternity, Best Supporting Actress went to Donna Reed for From Here to Eternity, Best Supporting Actor went to Frank Sinatra for From Here to Eternity, so this movie was a sweep, and then just to, just to throw everything off, Best Actor went to William Holden for Styling 17, not From Here to Eternity, uh, which is a very interesting movie that we will get into. But um, today I am joined by um, a, a very good friend, a comedian. Um, she has a podcast called The Pickup that is currently on summer break, as we were previously discussing. But if you're into the <laughs> WNBA, check it out. Um, she also has a number one comedy album uh, called I Am Your Number One Dad. It's Catherine Niker. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Always happy to be back. Um, just for clarification, the WNBA podcast is alive and well. The Ooh. NBA podcast is taking a break because those men can have a seat for, for August and September. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I Oh, even... it's fine. It's, it's it's the ladies that are thriving right now. Excellent. I'm glad to hear. It's just, you know, yeah, me. I don't the... I don't expect you to know sports. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like the gays and the sports. I mean she's she's trying her best. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, so this is a very interesting, uh, year. Some of these mm. movies were extremely painful and some of them I just was absolutely, um, head over heels in love with. And then some of them I thought were the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, Oh, also to our listeners, if you sound, the air show is going on in Toronto where it's like, um, like fighter jets that are like doing like aerial combat like <laughs> tricks yeah um so if you hear that uh we're not under attack <laughs> it's just they're doing the, the big grand show um so just fyi for anybody like what is that are we yeah like are they under attack yeah now? for for the non uh toronto based listeners like it's an <laughs> annual thing here where they do these like fighter jet aerial show thing and you don't even have to be close to it for <laughs> it to like permeate your entire home <laughs> so we don't we're it's not like oh look at us we're recording a podcast near an airplane show no we're both very far away but that doesn't matter because that's how loud <laughs> these fire jets are fight 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 flight jets what are they called i don't know planes i don't know planes 
it's Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Fighter jets is what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's Tom Cruise style. But like we were, so we were at the beach yesterday and it was so fucking loud that like we couldn't <laughs> even have a conversation. Oh my God. That that is such a bizarre day to go to the beach. I know. And yeah. I, it rained. It, it wasn't a super great um, beach day, but it's kind of the only time that I could go to the beach because I think it might be my last time this year. Um, mm. Oh, also, just a heads up to my best actress listeners and to my patrons. I uh, I am just saying very, very sorry, sorry, sorry off the top, uh, but I actually need to uh, go on a little bit of a hiatus until October because I am filming a TV show all month. I'm recording a comedy album and I also will be out of the country. So unfortunately, I do not have time uh, to watch five movies <laughs> for this podcast. Unfortunately, my life is just kind of uh, insane, but I will get back into it in um, October and everything will resume and go back to normal. But just uh, for the month of uh, September, my life is just so insanely busy and I just, I don't have time. Uh, so unfortunately we will uh, be on a little bit of a break, but I will be back in October. So just a heads up to my listeners on that. You're, you're booked and blessed. Um, so why, did you pick Audrey Hepburn, Roman Holiday year? Uh, great question. I just, I haven't seen it. And I'm really oh. just, and I feel like I am just not well versed on Audrey Hepburn in a way I feel like I should be. Mm. So I kind of just saw it as an opportunity to, to finally watch this and kind of get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I've seen this movie before. I would say in this like list of movies, this was the only like movie that I actually like watched from start to finish and was like very focused and very into it and got, it was very engaging and I really mm -hmm. enjoyed it where I found the other movies. Um, this, We'll get it. Like the moon is blue, for example, was very much a chore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But not, but but Roman Holiday, I mean, the thing about Audrey Hepburn is, like, she's always serving so much face. She's stunning. And I love all of her movies. But I will say she, she always kind of plays the same character, but, like, in, like, a cute sort of quirky way. Yeah. Even when she's, like, a nun or she's, I don't know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, for example, it's, like, it's just like a little different in terms of like the dialogue, but she kind of delivers most of her lines in the same way. And I'm always very aware that I'm watching. Like she doesn't have like a Meryl Streep range. Do you know what I mean? Well, I feel like, and I could be wrong about this because I feel you definitely know old Hollywood better than I do, but I feel like it people were branded in such a way. Right. Right. So it's like an Audrey Hepburn movie was an Audrey Hepburn movie. Like a Marilyn Monroe movie was a Marilyn Monroe movie. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing where like, I mean, I guess like the, there isn't really a modern day equivalent, but like in the 2000s when like Drew Barrymore had that run of like rom-coms, it was like a Drew Barrymore movie was a very specific type of comedy. Yeah. Like Julia Roberts. Yeah. Like a Julia Roberts film. Right. So I feel like that was just everyone in this era. Although I could be wrong. There could be some exceptions that I'm unaware of, but that is the impression that I get. Oh, no, for sure. You're 100%, 100% correct. Um, because now the standard is like, you, you think almost like 
Jennifer Lawrence or like Emma Stone. They were like in the 2010s, like huge movie stars, but they didn't have like a specific type of movie where it was like Reese Witherspoon had like rom-coms and that was like her vehicle for like the longest time. And then I think it was just like all of the actors, something happened in like the 2010s where they're like, no, like we also have Meryl Streep range. Let us demonstrate that because it's always like, Everybody has to be like a chameleon now, which is the whole point of of being an actor. You know what I mean? Um, Where the world was just so content with just seeing the same type of performance over and over and over again from an actor. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's value in that. Like, as stand-up comics, like, we only perform in one character, you know? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we only know how. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's like we're kind of in an era now where it would be hard to be critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. And not have that versatility. Yeah. It's like the Meryl Streep effect. Yeah. And also, too, like rom-coms have really gone through a lull. Even comedies have gone through a lull. Like we don't get that genre of film at the level that we used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we had like, you know, Barbie come out this summer, which was like really fun. But it's like also like it's been a long time since we've had a blockbuster comedy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I guess Barbie would sort of be like a blockbuster comedy. I enjoyed that movie and all the people that hate it, I'm like, shut the fuck up. It's a movie about a doll. Okay. Like, take yes, it down. thank like, you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I, it's great social commentary. It's great. It's just fun. Like, it's just a fun movie. Yeah. I agree. Um, So let's jump into our nominees here. As I always say, this is never in any particular order. Mm -hmm. But I will start with Maggie McNamara in The Moon is Blue. So very quickly, this movie is about two aging playboys are both after the same attractive young woman, but she fends them off by claiming that she plans to remain a virgin until her wedding night, which is literally the next day. Like they meet and like get married in like the same fucking day. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Both men determined to find a way around her objections yes she got by the way two marriage proposals in less than 24 hours like that's impressive that is impressive but it's also it's also a society where like you're not having sex before marriage so a marriage proposal (laughs) is really like i can i swear (laughs) yeah okay let's fuck you know that was the 1953 marriage proposal Well, the movie basically opens on William Holden or Bill Holden or whoever you want to refer to him, like actively pursuing this woman to the top of the Empire State Building to tell her to smile. (laughs) And you're like, okay, like, so this is not a movie that ages well, um, but you... What, what I do appreciate about that note, what I do appreciate, though, as an opening is like, I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. This movie's going to be a yikes, but it's like, thank you for giving me the heads up Yeah. At, at the beginning. And then he somehow convinces her to go back to his apartment. And this premise of this movie is wild. Like, Catherine, do you ever just follow men home that you met seconds before and uh, received a marriage proposal from them uh, hours later? No, unless they're clear about their intentions. No kidding. Absolutely not. They also have a very unrealistic back and forth um, that really just goes on forever and ever. I found um, the relationship between William Holden and Maggie McNamara to be like kind of exhausting. The only one that I loved was the neighbor's like, like vixen of a daughter. 
I didn't quite like get her vibe, but she was like fabulous but evil but she was just like trying to can, can you explain this character to me <laughs> i so don't get it it's it, it's so confusing because she is the she's like both the daughter and the ex of these two men hitting on this other woman yeah <laughs> and she is vengeful for reasons unexplained yeah right mm -hmm. but she does she does have this one scene where she is wearing that classic like christian dior silhouette gown and just like goes down like a fire escape in pouring <laughs> rain to to spy on them for a quick second and then go back up to her apartment just as furious as she was when she started i <laughs> Because she locked herself out. <laughs> I never understood her motivations in any of this. Um, it, okay, I I wanted to know: is this an indie film? Because it has an indie film vibe in that there's very few characters. The whole thing primarily takes place in one location. Like the movie mm. is like 90% one location and like the Empire State Building scene is clearly like a Hollywood set. Yes. So it's like we basically have like just a few sets and very few people. The whole first act is just the those two main characters talking about um like relationships and what they want out of a relationship like it's almost like a before sunset before sunrise type mm -hmm. of thing where it's just the two of them just talking the whole time but then you get this creepy ex's dad <laughs> come in and suddenly he's a love interest also like these two guys are like the same age somehow like how like how is this your daughter like I, I don't understand. I'm sorry, I could, Kyle. Please, please <laughs> cut me off. Please just cut me off. Well, they seemed more like uh, this, you know, evil vixen daughter was more like his mistress, not like they didn't have any kind of familial chemistry. She was also like 40. Uh, they looked like they were the same age. But in the film, like, so Maggie Mac. Mara or McNamara, however you want to pronounce it, like mm -hmm. she was very sort of peppy and she was challenging everybody, but she just said lines that made no sense. Like I, I wrote one of them down. She said, <laughs> she said, don't you think it's better for a girl to be preoccupied with yes. sex than occupied? I'm like, what, what does that mean? Okay. So I, first of all, I love this line so much. It makes <laughs> zero sense in a modern day context but i just feel like you know this takes place in a world where like just being a like a virgin as a woman was such a big deal i know yeah right right like it was just such a big deal to be a virgin and so her whole thing is like yes i'm still a virgin and i'm waiting for marriage and i'm not going to be shy about that and it's like, I guess for her, it's like being preoccupied with sex, like just thinking about it all the time versus having sex is better. But now, good Lord, who wants to be that repressed? I know. But also, okay, so she meets this guy at the Empire State Building, follows him back to his apartment. Not only does she make herself at home, but she starts inviting guests in and starts making them dinner. 
Yeah, she just starts cooking in his kitchen. Like, yeah. she knows where everything is. There's, like, this weird, like, coffee table that folds out into a dining table. And then, she, like, it, she folds it back like she's lived there. But, like, imagine... It's so funny. Go, but imagine going to your friend's house, and then there's a complete stranger that answers the door and was like, Oh, Catherine, come in. Put your feet up on the... On the coffee table, take off your bra if you'd like. I'm just making dinner right now. Would you like something? And you're like, who is this bitch? Who, <laughs> who the fuck? Like, I would call the police. It was so, it was also very much like he was like, hey, like, get in the kitchen, make me a meal. Like, I'm like, I know it was the 1950s, but even this is a stretch. And then the neighbor at one point literally says, I seldom strike anyone but a woman. I'm a coward. And she was like, oh, you. And I was like, wait, what? Did he just say that he he beats women? Like, mm. it, it was one of those, like, if you blink, like, I, and then I'm like, is this a comedy? Like, was that supposed to be like, because, you know, yeah, it was so, so funny. It, it felt like it was supposed to be a comedy, but none of the jokes are landing, you know, because we just have a very different perspective now. Like, it's just... I don't know, man. It was it was weird for sure. But is it it's is she getting an Oscar nomination because of what the character represented? Or is she getting an Oscar nomination because this is an amazing performance? Because if I'm being honest with you, I found this is like one of these kinds of roles where it's just this constant back and forth with William Holden challenging him on absolutely everything. And like that was kind of it. Like I'm like. I don't really know. Is that like an Oscar nominated? Like I think I think they think this is a very good performance because when you really think about it, like four out of the five nominees are are playing naive women. Right. Four yes. out of the five are this 1950s naive woman, young girl. Well, I don't know how old Ava Gardner is, but we'll get to that later. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like naive and and like, I don't know anything about the world. Well, actually, I kind of do. And yeah. it's just <laughs> a little infuriating. And she's just one of she's one of many doing the same thing. And I and I think they probably did consider this to be a very good performance for its time. Um, a couple facts. This is the first mainstream Hollywood film to use the word virgin after a battle with the official and unofficial censors. It is also the first to use uh, uh, the word seduce and mistress as a sexual partner. Um, the movie was banned from theaters in Boston for using these words. <laughs> See, so not only um, was this, you know, a, a moment, you know, in, a moment for its time, it was progressive. Right. For its time. This yeah. movie was actually progressive. And then it becomes part of history. It's just, that's the thing that I'm so naive to in this podcast is I'm like, I guess I don't understand the historical context of why this type of performance is being rewarded. And then it's like, oh, well, and then when you find out that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, like historically speaking, that's very interesting. But I mean, it doesn't make for a very I mean, fun performance. I mean, the first film that could use the word virgin, that's nuts. It's crazy. I mean, like, like to me, like virgin is not a scandalous word. If anything, it's the complete opposite of a scandalous word you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no 100 even the insults and then, when... and then the and then the insult of like how dare you call me a professional virgin 
what does that even what does that even mean and then he's like well if you're a and then it's like something about well you're advertising it and if you're advertising something that means you have something to give away and she was like oh i see <laughs> it's just like <laughs> everyone wants to fuck yeah everyone right. wants to it's just a world where people are pretending they don't want to fuck and it's well, all they want to do and then they just guise it in all these weird creepy ways like and then and then people wonder why we rebelled against this time <laughs> yeah as a as a female watching this i imagine this must this type of movie this type of character this type of naive female over and over that must just fucking drive you crazy i mean it's just like gee i wonder why feminism became a thing <laughs> oh i have no idea oh uh. You I know. it it does make for good comedy though it really does. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, like you guys really believed in this. Yeah, like I have no idea why Jane Fonda is the way she is. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> and she was so notorious too, but just yeah. for time's sake, listen, guys. I, 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 the moon is blue. Um, do you, don't, skip. <laughs> like, I wouldn't watch it if I, it's. It, it, this movie just kept going. I'm sorry, but it. I didn't get this movie. I didn't get the characters. I don't really understand why this was Oscar nominated. It's going to be a no for me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about this. What I'm so excited to talk about. Let's talk about Leslie Karen in Lily, or as Good Anna boy. Ferris says in The House Bunny, Lily. Um, <laughs> um, an orphan young woman becomes part of a puppet act and forms a relationship with the antisocial puppeteer. My first criticism that I am going to say of this movie is: Have you ever seen a carny before? Most carnies either look like they have witnessed or committed a murder. These carnies were so gorgeous. They were like <laughs> they, they were like Abercrombie models. Like they were stunning. And I'm like, no, no. The one that's like operating the tilt to world, that's like a teeth optional Aber situation. Abercrombie carnies. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? That, that was the only thing that took me out of it. I was trying to merge the two words, but I'm stumbling. Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> the this okay so leslie karen if for anybody that doesn't know she is the uh widow she plays the widow in chocolate um she oh. yeah i was like oh, I, I thought i recognized you she in this movie is like the whole story is basically about her figuring out that the puppets were the puppeteer all along this, an, this movie now for me this movie was infuriating i didn't i could. this movie okay first of all they tell they tell you that there is a puppeteer and who the puppeteer is yeah they say it directly in the movie but <laughs> even though she's told she still goes on like the Muppet, like like the puppets are like magical or something. <laughs> and they were so creepy, by the way. So that the 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 carrot top. The puppets are creepy. The man behind the puppets are creepy. So creepy. <laughs> the set's creepy. The use of color is creepy. 
it, it, it's all creepy. It could be a horror. It easy. This could actually be like kind of a cool horror movie. This is not a movie anyone should watch sober. <laughs> In modern times, I was like, okay. First of all, I was midway through this movie, and then I had a guy come over, and he was like, "What the fuck are you?" Watching? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I guess? Can I guess? Was it the like twenty minute uninterrupted dance sequence with the live action puppets where they become like human? Uh, no, we didn't even get that far. It was during. It was like the midpoint where she's like meeting the puppets and they're talking to her. <laughs> and oh, then and, the- and then he kind of and then and then I was like and then <laughs> I I'm I'm scrambling. I'm trying to like turn off the TV and stuff because I'm like oh god. And then he's like oh so you're not gonna make me watch that? And I'm like. No, I'm not going to make you. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. This movie was everything. This was Listen, like-, like I know I as 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 a woman in a relationship <laughs> with a guy, I possess some power with my pussy. Like maybe I could have made him watch the rest of it with me and waited and he would have done that very patiently. I'm not that cruel. I'm not that cruel. I'm not going to do that. I loved this. It was okay, like First of all, the movie also just for the record, off the top, opens with an almost rape. Right, I, I, like she was in like a. Th- I'm sorry, was- I almost I forgot because <laughs> so there was so much going on. I forgot. They, there's, it's like a fabric salesman, and he's like, "Oh, would you like That's some right. bread and wine?" Oh God, yeah. And he's like, "Come here, little girl." And she's it was looking. Like, she's like looking for a job, and then he's like, "Sure." And then, and then he tries to make this horrible, creepy move, and then she runs out of there. And then, and then the guy saves her by like, "I can get you a job where you won't be raped per se." Right. And then she ends up like a waitress somewhere, and then they put on a show, and then she meets the puppets. One of the puppets, by the way, the the like the one that was all glammed up was one hundred percent a drag queen named Kitty Litter. Are you serious? No, but it just <laughs> when, he, when she came to life, I'm like, I was oh, like, that's this a drag early queen. like drag history that I'm unaware of. <laughs> no, but I was like, yeah, that one's for sure a drag queen. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my absolutely. God. Oh um, my god. Oh, and by the way, she was her character is sixteen in this movie. Yeah, I don't know how old she was IRL, but yeah, her character's only 16, so it's like everybody's hitting on a minor. Everyone's and, just acting like that's not a big deal in any way. And um, then she tries to commit suicide and then gets rescued or distracted from her suicide by the carrot top puppet. And if and anything, she's like, oh, oh, you're going to love me? Okay. But if I saw that fucking creepy ass doll talking to me, you would would end it. It would not save me from the suicide. It would make me run faster (laughs) to the suicide. It was so scary. And like, I will give I will give this to Leslie Karen. She committed by really working with those puppets and working off of those puppets. And I'm just going to give her an A plus on that one. You know, this is another one of the <laughs> um, naive girl performances, right? Yeah, in, right. In the category, um, but you're. At, it must have been hard to look so convinced that those puppets were real because it's actually insane that a 16 year old wouldn't have the cognitive sense 
to know that there's a puppeteer behind the puppets. I know. But she does sell it. She she does her best to sell it and she and she does well all things considered. Um okay, so the <clears throat> this is the earliest known appearance of the smiley emoticon where it's colon hyphen bracket. Um it was in an ad for this film in uh the New York Herald Tribune on the 10th of March, 1953, page 20, columns four to six. Uh, the film o- opened nationwide, and this ad uh, ran in many, many newspapers. It read, today, you'll laugh, and then the, like, smiley emoticon, you'll cry, sad face emoticon, and you'll love, and then it's the, you know, like how you make a heart with the keyboard commands? Mm-hmm. This is the first time in history that that ever happened. Not to be wow. confused with these. Yeah, su- super random, but I just thought that was interesting. Also- Shortly after this was released, um, Mel Ferrer wed his fourth and most famous wife, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Their marriage lasted 14 years, ending on a high note in 1968, with Ferrer serving as a producer on one of Hepburn's most successful films, the blind woman in peril thriller, Wait Until Dark, which is such a fucking funny movie because she's clearly not blind. But anyway, um, (laughs) we did that episode. That was was a lot of fun. Um, But okay, so... What else did I? Oh, oh. Also, another thing that I was like, just to add to the what fuckery, what what the fuckery of this movie. At one point, she chases after Mark, the one that's married, because he forgot his like wedding ring in her trailer. And as she tries to run after him, being like, "Oh, Mark, like you forgot your ring," the puppeteer fully grabs her arm and just slaps her across the face for right. no reason and doesn't say anything and walks away. And I'm like, what is happening? Did you, we had an almost rape. You got assaulted. You're having these like weird fever dream acid trip dance sequences with puppets. What the fuck is, I'm, I'm seriously just Leslie Karen committed to this fucking weird ass movie. And I'm sorry, this was and my favorite movie. <laughs> This was your favorite movie. Stop. It was so fucking weird and wild and made no sense. And I literally, I was so, I couldn't get the tone. It was so campy. It was so, like, it was creepy. It, like, the puppeteer guy was so creepy, but he was supposed to be, like, the handsome love interest. Like, everything that they were trying to do was executed, I'm sorry, so incorrectly but this movie was a huge success and I just, I, this movie made me laugh so hard. It was my but favorite. But it's part. like, but it's that it's so bad. It's good. Kind of bad. Yes. Like it's, it's not a good movie. Like no. let's just be very clear. <laughs> no. That under no circumstances is this a good movie. I it, wish, I wish I was wine drunk with you. Watching yeah. It. Right. <laughs> that would have been better, but just on my own. And then having this guy come over and then me being flustered was not the way. to watch it. <laughs> The one moment that I appreciated for her character is that she obviously is very shy. She's very meek. And when she finally professes her love for Mark, it takes a lot of courage for her character. And I think that was kind of her big moment. Yeah. Um, because just the, the rest of the movie, I was just going full beautiful mind with equations in front of my face. Like, what is going on? Like, I'm trying yeah. to figure this out. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're, I mean, you're right. She is. She does. a. She's a good actress and she does a great job with what she was given. But it's just like, good Lord, look at what she was given. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, anyway, do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance before we move on? No, I'm good. Okay. Let's talk about the what also another extremely confusing movie. Let's talk about Ava Gardner in Mogambo. So on a mm-hmm. Kenyan safari, white hunter Victor Marswell has a love triangle with seductive American socialite Elwise <clears throat> Eloise Kelly and anthropologist Donald Nordley's cheating wife, Linda, played by Grace Kelly. Um, so this movie takes place in Africa for no reason. I don't know what having <laughs> Africa as the backdrop has to do with anything or the plot. The movie only stars white people in Africa. I don't understand how Ava Gardner was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. If she went supporting like Grace Kelly, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like I could see that because I think Grace Kelly actually had more of a presence in the movie than Ava Gardner. Mm -hmm. Um, But the entire, they were like, let's just have like a sequence where we watch um, zebra. Then we're going to have a sequence where we see warthogs. Then we're going to have a sequence where we see rhinos. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, what about this story? (laughs) Like, I don't understand what this is adding to anything. And I guess because during this time, historically, they didn't shoot on location. So that would have been like, wow, to see those kinds of things on film. Fine. But in 2023, watching these movies, it's confusing and boring and pointless and um, Ava Gardner's character in this movie. The only thing I really enjoyed about her was that she was just very cool. Like she kind of just could roll with the punches and she kind of like, you know, like was drinking wine and shooting whiskey with the boys and playing poker. And she kind of just held her own. Otherwise I just didn't really care for her character. And I just found this love triangle story. um very confusing. And I, I, I kind of hated this movie. <laughs> What did you think? (laughs) (laughs) At one point during the viewing of this film, I thought to myself, um, is this a hate crime? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's uh, it's a hate crime on a obviously on a racially insensitive level, also on a cruelty to animals level. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I was like, this movie is just a straight up hate crime. And I spent the $4.99 to rent it. And now I don't know what my algorithm's going to do to me now. Like, I don't know. You will be punished. That was my concern watching this movie. Like, I don't want the algorithm to think that I paid for this movie because I like this kind of content and want more. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, it, it is really uh cringe i mean even just like i get for them like yeah filming these animals i don't know what the ethics were at the time for filming with animals but it felt cruel well at one point they one of there was like a puma or like a whatever like a large black cat whatever the hell it was uh it for they it for sure they or a like panther, shot maybe I'm not a sure. panther yeah right it yeah. for sure had its like foot like shot with something because it was very clearly in pain and it very much like 
also the, the Joe, the snake, Joe, she like fucking catapulted that fucking snake off yeah. the bed and like onto the wall. I'm like, Jesus Christ. There was a lot of animal cruelty in this film as well. Yeah. Also, <clears throat> like maybe this film is the reason why people were like, no more cruelty to animals. Like right. this film could have started that whole movement for all I know. Yeah, maybe. Like, also, just can we just also point out the fact that like Ava Gardner in this film looked so out of place. Like she looked like she came from like a cover shoot from like Better Homes and Gardens magazine. She was, she was literally modeling like the whole movie. She, the whole she movie. was a model. And, and like I felt like her whole like I was so confused as to like who her character was, why she was even there. And yeah. I felt like their whole position is like she's a woman and women are just always in the way. And we're just going to make sure she's always in the way of all these men who are trying to like accomplish something. And, so true. And, and, yeah. then, and then I felt annoyed by her, but I'm also like, well, this is just how people get annoyed by women when they're just mm. portrayed this way. If that makes sense, like not to make it too serious, but like, it, it's just like, I was like, yeah, I don't like her either, but it's like, She's just deliberately always in the way and her physical presence is a conflict. And also um, it, oh, like the way that like women couldn't even, couldn't even walk, for example, and they would need to be carried because they couldn't even walk. Like they needed a man to rescue them for everything. Like at one point, Grace Kelly which, by the way, Grace Kelly was so irritating in this movie. Um, yeah. Not sympathetic at all. But at one point, it's, like, super windy. And Clark Gable, like, has to, like, carry her because it's so windy. And she's like, oh, please help me. And she's, like, being carried and burying her face, like, in his neck while he's carrying her because it's windy. I'm like... Okay, so like women can't even walk through the wind. Like they need to be like what? Like what? What? Is, I don't under. How does that make sense? I don't understand. I don't the, understand. The African winds are blowing me away. <laughs> you know, like I didn't get it. Um, I would say this though: Ava Gardner definitely was pulling focus from Grace Kelly, which is very hard to do because Grace Kelly is absolutely true. stunning. But That's Grace true. Kelly was so annoying in this movie that I was just like. I hope I was really hoping that like an alligator would just come up and just go and just eat her in one bite and then she'd be gone. And I'm like, yeah, okay, good. well, also, she is a character that's having an affair. And this is an era where like if you're having an affair, like you're not going to be painted in a sympathetic light. Right. So maybe that's also why Ava Gardner was kind of able to, you know, upstage her in a way. But how, because okay. Grace Kelly does not have, in my opinion, the charisma that she is known for in this film. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I would actually borderline say resentful. Her performance was like resentful. Yeah. Like it's just, I, it's super weird. And then also like this guy, like, okay, this is what I think the whole movie is about. This is my theory is that, you know, it's like all these men are there and their whole job is to capture animals for like zoos in America. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end, what they're trying to portray is that the men also now behave like animals. 
Right. Because like either he's having an affair, he kind of has no regard for anyone's feelings. Like I feel like they're trying to say like, yeah, like if you, if you're around these animals too for too long, you'll be you'll start to become like one. That's what I actually think okay. was the message of the movie. I mean, I was just so confused and distracted by everything going on that I I, I was having a hard time paying attention to this movie. I mean, even the ending. What like the way that they get together in the end, like Ava Gardner and Clark Gable, like she's being taken away by this like tribe on this little boat. And then he says something to her and then she like runs out of the little boat and they just keep going on without her. And then she runs to the shore and hugs him. And like, that's the ending. And I'm like, what? Like it was, this movie was so confusing. I didn't understand like the love triangle aspect of it. And um, I just, okay, let's talk about, I have some trivia about this, uh, about this movie because I I just don't even know like what else to say about this performance. Mm -hmm. Um, Clark Gable did not get along with director John Ford during filming. And at one point walked off set in protest at Ford's treatment of Ava Gardner. Ford also made several remarks about Gable's age and weathered appearance. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Gardner was pregnant at the start of filming, and as her pregnancy progressed, she began to suffer greatly from the heat. Finally, she took a break in England, where she wound up in the hospital. Um, publicity flax, who had not who had not released news of her pregnancy, said that she was suffering from anemia. A few years later, she would say that she had suffered a miscarriage, but in private, she told the wife of cinematographer. Robert Surtees that she had an abortion at that point in her relationship with Frank Sinatra. She hated, I know she hated him so much that she did not want to bear his child. I have a gardener and Frank Sinatra were together, I guess. And And then she was pregnant with Frank Sinatra's child. And then, and then she aborted it because she hated Frank Sinatra. Apparently everybody fucking hated frank sinatra like apparently he was a piece of shit yeah that doesn't surprise me um the censors in spain did not allow adultery to be shown on the screen for that reason mgm changed the relationship of the characters of linda grace kelly and donald uh the husband her husband in the movie um from wife and husband to sister and brother in the dubbed version released in spain however they did they they didn't delete a scene where they both shared a bed together. <laughs> uh, I found the trivia for this movie more entertaining isn't, than isn't, this movie. <laughs> I mean, isn't like incest like I don't know? Wouldn't that be worse somehow? I mean, it's the number one category show- on Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, and then rather than just okay, maybe I'm the last one to be on board with incest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're all on board come on what are you what are you waiting for <laughs> maybe i'm maybe i'm the last one and everyone's gonna tell me that i'm that i'm discriminating against the the incest people but at one point though like yeah anyway ava gardner literally <laughs> but at one point literally ava gardner literally just just disappeared in the movie and then she came back and i was like oh oh there she, she is. really did just completely disappear yeah like no <laughs> idea why i don't like again like what was her what was her job She's a New York socialite that was there to like meet some guy, but I guess he like never showed. Are you serious? So even the reason why she's there is confusing. That that was not clear to me at all. Oh, I know. 
Oh, I know. I, I, didn't... I have no idea why she was there. <laughs> I have no idea why she was in this list of nominees. She, again, like she, she, you're right in that she was able to kind of roll with the punches, but she was also a bit of a naive woman who was just, like I said before, just in the way all the time. And that I was love- her whole, that was her whole thing. I love when she walked into the tent and then like this like leopard just came into the tent yeah, and just walked out of the tent. And I was like, what the fuck was the point of that, that scene? Almost, that almost made me wonder like if that happened by accident and they just like kept it in. Oh, well, there's a like, scene. Like was this shoot just so chaotic that like a leopard was loose? <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me because it was just like, the the animals were pointless. Compl- I okay. This is this is nothing to do with the movie. This is so random. But you remember when she's playing with like the little elephant? Yeah. Did you know that baby elephants respond to humans the way that humans respond to puppies? Oh, like they think that we're adorable. <laughs> Oh, that's really cute. I know. Isn't that so cute? <laughs> but, but but then adult elephants don't feel the same way. I have I don't know. I just knew that I just knew that about the babies, but Aww. there's a scene where she's like playing with a baby elephant and she like falls into a mud pit. That wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but they kept it in the movie. So yeah, I'm sure there was yeah. probably a lot of like on set animal um fuck ups and they were just like mm, we gotta roll with it yeah roll with it yeah yeah that baby elephant was just straight up beating her up <laughs> <laughs> like she was just losing a fight to a baby elephant <laughs> and and there's no plot context for why this is even happening at all <laughs> it was like taking it was like what was that show the simple life with like paris hilton and nicole richie <laughs> where it was like these rich socialites like in a sort of fish out of water situation yes. Yes, that's exactly it, what it was it was just like why like i don't understand what is happening Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just I don't have anything else to say about this. No, movie. we gotta we gotta move on. It's absolutely it's a hate crime. It's a hate, <laughs> crime. It's a hate crime. Um, good, honestly, like Clark Gable, like kind of sold it for me. I can get why he was maybe there, but otherwise, everybody else in this movie, they were on the wrong set in the wrong movie. Oh my god! Yeah, they would have they would have BLM <laughs> and PETA. <laughs> like at their door it is like the venn diagram where those two come together to fight against the common goal and it's this movie yes yes <laughs> okay yeah all right hey best actress listeners enjoying the show want to hear more access our entire catalog of best actress episodes from the very beginning ad free by subscribing to our patreon at patreon.com slash best actress By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe.
Let's talk about Deborah Carr in From Here to Eternity, the movie that won like every fucking award. So Yeah, eight awards, eight Academy Awards. It's crazy. Um, at a U.S. Army base in 1941, Hawaii, a private is cruelly punished for not boxing on his unit's team while his commanding officer's wife and top aide begin a tentative affair. There's kind of like two stories going on in this movie. It feels like two movies. Two movies, 100%. Um... And also Frank Sinatra, he won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this movie. Um, mm. Montgomery Cliff, uh, I, I really enjoy Montgomery Cliff a lot. Um, but Deborah Carr um, has this like super, super steamy um, affair with Burt Lancaster. And girl, I am here for it. <laughs> it was, I love like a forbidden romance, like Bridges of Madison County, like yeah. steamy sort yeah. of. Yeah. And in that scene where they're making it on the beach, is that a famous scene? Yeah, I think it, that's exactly what I thought too. I'm like, this looks very familiar to me. Yeah, I think this is the famous making out on a beach scene that created a trend of future making out on the beach scenes. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad that you clocked that because I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Um. But okay, just refresh my drink. Uh, what happened in the, <laughs> what happened in the end again? They both died? Like both of the men died and then like both it's women- super, It's super unclear and weird, but yes, I believe they both died. I- I literally was just so distracted by this movie. I, I think this is a very well-structured um, film. I love that there was kind of two different stories going on and sort of like where they would sort of meet in the middle. Um, I thought that was um, interesting. Uh, Deborah Carr, though, so like were women just like not allowed to have feelings in the 50s? Because the movie literally opens on her talking with her husband about an affair that he had. And then she asks about a woman that he was spending like the, the night with. And then he's like, um, what right do you have to ask me that? And she's literally like, what right? I'm your fucking wife. And you had an affair. Like, and the way that like she would have to defend herself was so stupid. I'm like, yeah, fucking cheat on him. But I guess that they do that for the audience because in the 1950s to have an affair, it's like, you know, the. Yeah. I think this is all the, the, the hoops they have to jump through to sympathize with a couple that is having an affair. Exactly. And yeah, didn't she, don't you think she had like a Sharon Stone vibe to her? Oh yeah. She's really hot in this movie. And like, and the, I actually think the affair, which was real, a real B plot in this film was truly the more intriguing thing. Absolutely. Um, like I kind of wish the whole movie was just that to be honest, but um, I actually think she's great in this movie. I think her character out of all the five nominated has, even though she isn't really allowed to show a lot of emotion, certainly has the most emotional variance to mm-hmm. it. I would say like, she's kind of, to me, the one character that isn't naive. Like she's not going into this affair naive. Like she knows exactly what she's doing. She has a moral, you know, internal dilemma about what she's doing. You know, the affair becomes frustrating because they're frustrated. Like, I I don't know, like this felt kind of real to me. It, 
absolutely did. And I love that you said that she's the like one, like not naive character in the, and that is so true. Like she's kind of like, (laughs) she has that like over it, like middle-aged divorcee energy about her. Yeah, like I know what life is. (laughs) Exactly. Honey, I've lived, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I, I very much love that. But then now we have to ask the most obvious question, because she is the uh, lead actress nomination. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the fuck was Deborah Carr in this movie? <laughs> she really has very little screen time. Very, very little screen time. If she went yeah. supporting, she honestly probably could have um she, I won. think she would have won, especially if that other girl in this movie won. Donna Reed, yeah. Yeah, no, she if she went supporting, she would have won hands down easy. I found Donna Reed's performance honestly kind of forgettable. Yeah. I, like I agree, it is completely forgettable. I think that Deborah Carr is really like the her and um, Burt Lancaster and Montgomery Cliff are like giving me everything. But um, also, like, was this just a thing where everybody was obsessed with boxing? Like, was this like the cocaine of the 1950s, where it's like everyone needs it, everyone's addicted to boxing? Uh, I mean, my interpretation of the boxing was kind of like hazing. Right. I think they were trying to portray hazing, but maybe they couldn't do it in as real of a way as you can now. But he was so like, they made it about boxing. I could be wrong about that, but I thought this was like army hazing. But he was like, wasn't he like a champion boxer or something? Because he like, I don't know if he was like a professional boxer. But he had bo- boxing experience, and then he like knocked out that one guy, and then he had a guilty conscience, and then he didn't want to fight anymore. But then he got transferred to this, um, I don't know what it's called, this troop, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, uh, and then and then they wanted him to fight because that's kind of like an initiation, right? Like that's an that's like what toxic men do, right? Like this is like an initiation thing. That's kind of why I akin it to hazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he didn't want to do it and he kept trying to escape it. And because the, also the, the, the thing that I also really loved the way that they did it as like a reveal was whenever Montgomery Cliff kills the guy who killed Frank Sinatra Mm -hmm. and he comes in and like the way that they, have the reveal where it's like they go behind the boxes or like the dumpster or whatever. And then you think like he killed Montgomery Clift and then he gets up and then it's actually um, the other guy that got stabbed and then he dies. I I love the way that they did that fight. And I love the way that they, it was just like a really cool way of um, revealing it. And I love like the camera trick. I thought that was Mm, um, mm. very clever um, Mm -hmm. and a a great little, little surprise. Um, But, but just specifically talking about Deborah Carr in this movie, like um, if, she went supporting. I think that she would have won this Oscar. She uh, and her F relationship and and the challenges that she and Burt Lancaster had, um, I thought were super uh, compelling. And you're really rooting for her. And just like you said, it's just like she's lived. And she just kind of has that like, like fuck it kind of energy about her. Um, while also still like, trying to be a leader in a way of the yeah you know. she's trapped in in her environment yeah and um i just love the way that she navigated um all of those scenes and uh i i really enjoyed watching her and burt lancaster it's just 
not enough screen time. And um, I, I just often, I literally was like checking out of this movie because I was like, where is she? Yes. Yes. I completely agree. Yeah. I wanted more of her. I wanted, like it, it, it could have been its own movie. Like Absolutely. if they did sequels or something at this time, like those two could have been their own spinoff or like their own thing. But instead, you know, it's this movie centered around the guys and the army. And I imagine like, you know, this taking place in like 53 would have been really interesting because mm -hmm. it's like you're out of world war two and then kind of going into Korea. So it's just like, it's an interesting time in like American history, as far as like war and armies go. And, you know, I, I actually think doing some kind of commentary about toxic men, because I mm -hmm. think the movie is somewhat self-aware that these men have like aggression. That's not necessarily channeled in the right place. Right, 100%, yeah. And I think, like, all of that is also very intriguing. I, I feel like what happened with this movie was it was about these men, and it was about this, you know, brigade or whatever. I'm so sorry. I don't know my army terms. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't, you know? And it's, about, and it's about these guys, you know, in Hawaii, and they're stationed there, and blah, blah, blah. But And then some executive said, we need a love story. Right. Probably. And then, yeah, you know, like where there's no love interest here. We need a stronger love story. And then this whole side plot with the affair got written in because of that. That's what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. No, a hundred, a hundred percent. Um, I would say maybe then let's just move on. Cause I don't really have much to True. say yeah. else about Deborah Carr. Um, but like I, like one great character, great performance, um, I just, yeah, wish there was more of her. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk about our winner, Audrey Hepburn for the movie Roman Holiday. A bored and sheltered princess escapes her guardians and falls in love with an American newsman in Rome, played by Gregory Peck. And... Um, I love that they never tell you what country she's the princess of, like the princess of Genovia, like fucking Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's like a fictitious I mean, it's, country. It's implied that it's England. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, couldn't quite figure it out. But um, well, that's uh, what I could be wrong. But I felt like it was implied that it was she was a stand in. Like a like literally like Princess Anne. Like I, I saw her as like I was trying to figure out is she like Queen Elizabeth's sister? Right. Oh, that's uh, Princess Margaret, but then they named her Anne. So I got confused because she named her daughter Anne. Anyway, whatever. Well, the th the thing, the only thing that just really took me out of this movie is just how stunning Audrey Hepburn is because I don't know if you've seen what a real princess looks like in real life, ah, ah. but most of them are pretty inbred and have like donkey faces from years <laughs> and years of incest. Generations. We're talking I mean, I centuries. Guess I mean, I guess that's why Diana was such a big deal, right? That's very true. But I'm sure that she probably didn't escape the incest uh, gene pool. I'm sure there was probably. Well, some... I mean, I was shocked that even <laughs> I was shocked that even back in 1953, people were writing about unhappy princesses in a in a yeah. real in a real context. Well, I just fucking love this movie. I have seen this movie <laughs> so many times. Um, 
I love Audrey Hepburn. Like I have such a crush on her, like the same way I do for Julia Roberts. Like it's, she, there's this type of star, like movie stardom that you can't even like explain or, or like try to recreate. It's like you either are, or you aren't. And it's like this weird thing where it's like, why was the world so obsessed with Julia Roberts? It's, you can't, it can't just be because you're gorgeous. It, it's not that. It's like, there's just a thing that they have that no one else can do. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. so good at it. And there's, Audrey Hepburn is so charismatic. She's so charming. She's so sweet, but also like she has like a very like sort of fashiony kind of look that just like checks all of my boxes. But she also like, I love the way she just talks. Like, I think she's from like Denmark or something, but like her accent is always very cute and strange because it sounds almost like a little British. And then sometimes it's like, because she's always like, oh, I love you. Oh, I love, oh, I do. I always love you. And you're like, where, where is that from? Like, I, I don't. Right. But it's just so it's so fucking charming, like just it's very like continental type accent. Yeah, like it's just every I I am the hugest Audrey Hepburn stand. Like I love her. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I am obsessed. Every well, we time I that- haven't done an Audrey Hepburn episode until now, maybe that's why I've d- I've done a few. I've done most of her Oscar nominations, and you know she never really did that many movies. She only did Is like her- how many wins does she have? Only one. This is her. This, this is, is her, her only win. win. Mm-hmm. That I don't know why that surprises me. I mean, a lot of people said that she should have won for um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, but I actually don't think that she should have. I, mm. I get, I get why she won. I think, I think Audrey Hepburn should have won Oscar because I think that it's kind of always the same character, just in like a different variation. This to me, and again, you know, you are you are the expert, but this really feels like one of those. It's the original manic pixie dream girl. Performances. <laughs> I mean, she even gets a pixie haircut. Yeah, true. Right, like I, I feel like it was one of those movies where I'm like, did she invent the manic pixie dream girl archetype? She is one of those naive characters again, right? Like. You know, she goes out into the middle, you know, she escapes the the castle or whatever the hell she's staying at and, you know, goes out in the middle of the night. She passes out on a bench and like nothing happens to her. Like, it's just so ridiculous. It is so like, oh, my God. But but then like once like she meets what's his face and like the movie gets going, it feels more like a modern romantic comedy. Mm hmm. In a lot of ways. So it was like, after, you know, we got into the second act of this movie, I was like, I see why this is a classic, because it has that modern rom-com-ness to it. And I feel like it's got to be, it might not be the original, but it's got to be up there in the lexicon of like, this is the movie that brought us to the next movie type thing in that genre. I mean... Absolutely. Like her impact in cinema and the way that we like, I wouldn't call Audrey Hepburn, you know, like this super like method actor. Like we don't think of her like that. It's like we we think of her 
as just being so fucking charming and being able to deliver. And she is a good actor, obviously. Like, clearly, she's a very good actor. It's just sort of like, you don't you don't think of her as like a Meryl. You don't think of her as like, you know, I don't know why Shirley MacLaine is coming to my head, but Shirley MacLaine, because, you know, similar. They did- uh, She's a great know, actress, yeah. Of course. And so it's like- you, she, she just had such commercial appeal. And um, I think going back to the thing that you were saying about like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I think that was actually way more Breakfast at Tiffany's. I feel like that was like the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right. But that came later. Yeah. Like 1960 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this is the movie that led to that is what I'm saying. Right. Um, because I, I, I could be wrong. I just feel like it has like a lot of those like early characteristics to it. Well, what's interesting is because the movie takes place in Rome and I was literally in Rome like two months ago and it actually That's like right. looks exactly the same. And it's actually kind of weird watching a movie from the 1950s and, you know, that city hasn't changed. I was so curious about that, too, because I because of it being like not too long after World War Two, was there like this right. movement to be like, hey, like Rome is back. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like I want. I wondered if there was like a, a, an actual attempt, like through like their tourism board or something like that, to be like, "Hey, like Rome is back. Like, travel to Italy. Like, it's great here. All the things you love about Italy are restored." Well, yeah. Wasn't Mussolini working with Hitler during the Second World War? I believe so, but I'm not well versed in that history. But I mean, so maybe, I just know, but I but I know the country was heavily impacted, obviously. Right? Of course. Like, yeah. But yeah. like maybe, yeah, they were trying to do damage control. They were like, ooh, sorry. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> yes, literally, I think the country was like, I, I, I don't know, but I'm curious to know how much Italy as a country, as a government was involved in the making of this film, because it is so like in Italy, but also just so rich with all the things you love about Italy. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly though like Roman Holiday is just my Audrey Hepburn fantasy like I just like I love when people live like I like she was very intentional like with mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. look with yeah. her clothes a lot of her like most iconic clothing that she wore like in her movies she had them designed by fashion designers and she would pay for it out of pocket like it wasn't even part of the movie's budget like she was very in control of her image and I really appreciate that about her like sort of stardom and um in this movie uh like she's just she's just everything for me <laughs> like mm -hmm. I um I just think she's just so damn cute and I love her and uh Gregory Peck's um relationship you know this movie Roman Holiday like it's a classic I can totally see why also oh boy is she ever lucky that she got taken home by Gregory Peck when she was passed out in the fucking park that bench so insane I was like oh boy lucky you it's that, that whole sequence <laughs> was troubling uh and you know um also just he's just like a he's just like a midnight gambler like right. he's not necessarily like a good guy, but then in 1950s movies, all these like shit guys are suddenly like good guys, you know, when a, pr when a pretty girl comes along. Yeah. It's but so ridiculous. It's also so hilarious that no one could identify her. 
like no one would recognize something else i i thought about too because i guess like now like we just we have so much exposure to like the royals but also just celebrities in general that like maybe i guess like in 1953 people like famous people did have more autonomy because you just didn't see their face like all the time but I th- question mark like I wonder well but her face was on the front page of the newspaper like it was that on day. the front page of the newspaper that day but also it's like you're just not bombarded with the images in the same way but I also thought like you know well here in Canada like the queen is on her money right yeah right see so, like we do see we do see her face a lot but that wouldn't be the case in Italy so yeah I don't know <laughs> so like let's assume that she perhaps is on some form of currency. Like also it's Audrey fucking Hepburn. Like you, she's kind of hard to, to, to miss. And, you know what I mean? And she's just like, you would notice her for the sheer fact that she's stunning. Exactly. Like, like you just cl- know, you just notice stunning people. We just do. Like it was just that like Clark Kent, like she got a haircut or like he put on glasses and you're like, Oh, where did you go? Oh, yeah. I, I don't recognize you anymore. But um, Audrey Hepburn in this uh, movie, it, it's just she's so good at sort of playing like young, innocent little thing. And mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. really cute, like watching her be like, oh, I've never had a cigarette before, which, by the way, she would be hacking up a lung if she never had a cigarette before. Oh, yeah. She, she smokes her first cigarette with such ease. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, wow, are we about to see, like, Audrey Hepburn, like, horking and spitting because she I was like, did those filters hit different back then? Or were they, like, I don't even, I'm not a cigarette smoker. I don't know. Mm. I love, um, I love uh, whenever they're being, like, chased by, like, I don't know, the secret police or whatever the fuck they were. And, like, she jumped, they jump into the river and the secret police just fully give up on pursuing them. <laughs> like, if somebody jumps in the water, you just go to, like, where the shore is and just greet them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought that was – that that tickled me. Um, but, no, I, I've seen this movie so many times, and um, it's one of my favorite Audrey Hepburn um, uh, performances, and I just uh, – I enjoyed watching this movie from start to finish also this is another movie where it's like she actually is the lead and she's in the movie like like basically the whole movie yes she is the protagonist yes unlike deborah carr or um ava gardner um um yeah and 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 anyway i just i'm a huge audrey hepburn fan so this movie just ticks all my boxes oh I don't have that kind of emotional connection to this film. <laughs> Fair but, enough. But yeah, I, um, I see it. Get some trivia going here. Um, <clears throat> when Gregory Peck came to Italy to shoot the movie, he was privately depressed about his recent separation and imminent divorce from his first wife, Greta K- Conan. However, during the shoot, he met and fell in love with French-born woman named um, Veronique Passani of Italian and Russian parents. Following his divorce, he married her. She became Veronique Peck, and they remained together for the rest of his life. Oh, that's cute. Um, After filming, Gregory Peck informed the producers that as 
Audrey Hepburn was certainly going to win an Oscar uh, for this, her first major role. Uh, they had better put her name above the title. They did, and she did. Okay. Um, Audrey Hepburn won the role of Anne thanks to a legendary screen test. She performed a scene from the film, and the cameraman was instructed to keep the cameras rolling after the director said cut. Several minutes of unrehearsed, spontaneous Hepburn was captured on film. That, combined with some candid interview footage, won her the role. See, that's what I mean. She just she just has this, like, natural thing. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like this character... This charismatic, like quirky, adorable, I don't know what it is, but it's so fucking charming. What, like, what makes Audrey Hepburn charming? Yeah, like, I don't know what it is, but it's just like she just, cause it's like she's not even in character. And then she got the role because they just kept rolling. And then she was just being herself naturally. And, and then they're like, yeah, like, you're, you're perfect. I don't know. Some people just have that. It's so wild to me. And she, yeah. There's a really good documentary about her on Netflix, actually, that's uh, mm. really interesting. I, I need to watch that. Yeah, to anybody. Um, and she actually had, like, a really sad life, which is um, her biggest insecurity was that she was afraid that no one, like, truly loved her because everyone was obsessed with her, but they didn't, like, love her, love her. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and she would say to her, like, children, like, you love me, right? And she, she would constantly have to have them, like, validate that for her. Wow. Which is really sad. That is sad. She's also EGOT, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. I think she was like the one of the first um, actors to have EGOT. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Roman Holiday or Audrey Hepburn? Nope. So the time has come for us to select who we think that the Oscars should have gone to. Um, Catherine Nanker, you are my guest of honor. So please reveal who you think uh, should have won. I think the Oscar should go to Audrey Hepburn for Roman Holiday. Okay. Uh, why? This was not, this was like not completely easy. I mean, I think, okay, I think she deserves the Oscar because she does carry this film and she is extremely charismatic in the film, like we talked about, but also like, I believe her in everything. Mm -hmm. I believe she's a princess. I believe yes. she wants to escape. I believe she's falling in love. I believe she has to go back to serve her duty and that she has complex feelings about that towards the end. You know, I, mm -hmm. I feel like I believe it all and, and I'm completely sold on everything she's selling me. Um, I, I do believe she could be the original manic pixie dream girl <laughs> with the first pixie cut, um, <laughs> and, and all those things. And it's very whimsical. I will say Deborah Kerr, if she had more screen time really could have won this Oscar. I think her performance mm -hmm. is, is the best. I think her performance is the most daring out of all of these, but considering, totally. Considering this is best actress and not supporting, it, it's Audrey Hepburn for me. Love it. Okay. Um, so I think that the Oscar should have gone to... <laughs> Let
Leslie Karen. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Audrey Hepburn. I honestly was jokingly gonna pick Leslie Karen. You should have like, gone. You should have ran with that for a whole minute just for me to completely <laughs> implode and then be like, I'm just kidding. Because like, just the fact that she had to act with those fucking puppets and then they like come to life and then there was like a and 20 minute. And then she had to fall in love with the creepy puppet man. Oh then... my god! Like just, just like a give her like a just like a a consolation prize like a maybe like a um a gift basket from Neutrogena like I don't a, know like an Oscar Nobel yeah like just, we can't believe you did that yes she needs something for this performance because it was so fucked but um obviously the winner for me is Audrey Hepburn this movie you know it's it's not like rags to riches it's like riches to rags and it has this sort of like Disney movie but it's not a Disney movie kind of vibe to it where it's just kind of very wholesome and um uh, fun and it the, the it I mean there's one section that isn't wholesome but it's okay she's just <laughs> passed out on the bench anyway and all the guys are like hey you want to come home with me although uh as we did learn um from uh Maggie McNamara in the moon is blue maybe she would because <laughs> apparently women were just going home with guys after meeting them for two seconds I'm but... a virgin and I can't wait to go home with you and not <laughs> sleep with you but have you think about it constantly <laughs> um no Audrey Hepburn uh the movie taking place in Rome actually had, you know, something to do with the movie where like Magambo was like, why is this <laughs> love triangle happening in Africa? Like, I don't understand what this serves the movie, but anyway, um, yeah. uh, and I, I think you nailed it when you said like, I believe she's a princess. I believe that she has to go back and do this. And also I love that she doesn't end up with Gregory Peck. Like I love that. It's like, yeah. she has her little day with him or two or whatever. And like, it's over. Yeah, and I I love I I I think that was like the best way to end it, and she has to go back to her duty. And um, anyway, um, Audrey Hepburn is the winner, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. So so wow. yeah, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, I don't feel that strongly about this movie. It's not one of my favorites of all time, but I can recognize it for what it is. Um, maybe if I grew up with it or something, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I watched it for the first time on like TMN Encore in like uh, tw- like 2010 or something. And I just. Uh, that'll do it. Yeah. That'll well, do it. anyway, um, well, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Um, Catherine, where can people find you on social media? Uh, yes, you can find me at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N on uh, Instagram primarily. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you again for having me. Of course, we always love having you, and uh, we'll have to have you back again in the future. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.